This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you who are watching at this time, and we are especially delighted to have those watching today for the very first time. You say, well, how do you know you have people watching for the first time? Because every time we're on the air, we have people call who have watched it for the very first time. Thank you for tuning in today. Now, today on our telecast, we want to talk about what the Lord has done for man. Have you ever thought about what the Lord has done for man? We will talk about that today. I think you will find it very helpful and very enlightening. Now, on getting to know your Bible, we offer a free Bible correspondence course. And for the benefit of those who are watching today for the very first time, would like to pause for just a moment so that you can learn more about the course and you can learn how to receive it. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible, it's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'm reading now from Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Have you ever tried counting the stars? Have you ever tried counting the waves of the sea? Have you ever tried counting the grains of sand on the seashore? Have you ever tried counting all of the leaves on all of the trees of the earth? Have you ever tried counting all of the blades of grass or even the hairs on your head? You know, that'd be a pretty frustrating thing, wouldn't it? And why is that so? Listen to the psalmist in Psalms 40, verse 5. Many, O Lord my God, 
are your wonderful works which you have done and your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. You know, it would be impossible for us to count and to number all of the things that God has done for man. But I want to talk about at least three things that God has done for man. And these things are very important things to us. I want you to follow along as we talk about what God has done for all of us. First of all, he has given us an inheritance. That is, we can have an inheritance. Notice verse number 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. And so God has made it possible that we can have an inheritance. Now there, note these two things about the inheritance. Notice what must be done in order that we might receive that inheritance, that we would be fit to receive that inheritance. In verses 13 and 14, we're told that we have to be delivered from the power of darkness. That's number one. So we must be delivered from the power of darkness. And secondly, we must be conveyed or delivered or translated into the kingdom of the Son of His love. And so those two things are absolutely essential if we would be subject to receive an inheritance, delivered from darkness, and translated or conveyed into the kingdom. And then we can share in the inheritance with other saints in the light. Did you notice that? He said, you are partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. God is light. He is even the source of light. James 1 and verse 17 refers to God as being light. He is the father of lights. He is the source of light. The, all light comes from God. John chapter, 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5 says that God is light. God is light. In Ephesians, the fifth chapter and verse 8, the apostle told those brethren in Ephesus that they were to walk as children of light. Now, in order to receive an inheritance, you must turn your life over to the light, to the light. And every person, every Christian that lives in the light is then subject to receive the inheritance. But you must be living in the light. You've been delivered from 
darkness. And now you're in the kingdom of light. You're in the kingdom of God's dear son. And so we must be in the light to receive that inheritance. But what inheritance are we talking about? When what is an inheritance? Well, let me just give you a, a short list of the things that we become heirs of. According to Titus chapter 3 and verse 7, we become heirs of eternal life. According to Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 14, we become heirs of salvation. According to Romans chapter 4 and verse 13, we become heirs of the promises made to Abraham. According to Romans chapter 8 and verse 17, we become heirs of glory. According to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 7, we become heirs of the righteousness which is by faith. According to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 7, we become heirs of the grace of life. And, and then according to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, we become heirs of God's special favor. Then, according to Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 14, we become heirs of an eternal inheritance. According to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 24, we become heirs of the reward. Then, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 50, we become heirs of an immortal and perfected body. And so we become heirs of the inheritance. But if I were to ask you to name me the richest man on earth, who would you name? And you just think about the richest man there he is on the earth today. Now suppose that you became an heir to his wealth. You say, well, that would be a marvelous thing. That, that'd be a wonderful thing. I could... I could t pay off all of my debts. I could pay off my car. I could pay off the house. I could, I could pay off my school bill. Well, I don't know that that's going to happen. But I would like for you to know that there's someone who died and left you a fortune. And you can be an heir of an eternal inheritance in the Lord Jesus Christ. So the first thing we learn is that we become heirs of light. Now the second thing that we learn that God has done for us when we obey the gospel is that God deliver, uh, delivers us from the power of darkness and he translates us into the kingdom of his dear son. You know, have you ever thought about the power of darkness? Darkness. That there is a kingdom of darkness. When you're in that kingdom of darkness, you're not able to see as you ought to see. You're not able to understand as you ought to understand. 
and you're not able to know important things that you ought to know. And when you're in the darkness, you stumble through life. Have you ever gotten up at late at night and the house was dark? Unless you wake up everyone else in the house, you do not turn the lights on. And you begin to try to walk around in a room that's filled with darkness. Have you ever stubbed your toe doing that? You know, it's, it's hard to walk in the darkness. And we, before we became a Christian, we were in the darkness, spiritual darkness. And that indicates that there is a power in the darkness to enslave people. And you become a slave of the one who rules in the power of darkness. The reason some people struggle against God so much is they're in the darkness. They're in the darkness. And it is a sad thing to see a rational person cursing God, denying God, rejecting God, hurting other people, damaging himself, ridiculing and killing those that would profess to believe in God. But now that's the real world we live in. And there is no way that a rational person would ever act that way unless they were enslaved by the power of darkness. God is the source of light. And the farther you get away from God, the deeper is the light, uh, the darkness. That's the reason some people do not like God. They've gotten away from the source of light. Jesus said men like darkness, they love darkness because their deeds are evil. They're living in darkness. And the sad truth is that the world, generally speaking, is in darkness. They're in darkness, spiritual darkness. We wonder sometimes why some of the things happen in our world that, that are disturbing to those who try to live a decent life, good moral life. The reason those things happen is because there is a kingdom of darkness. But you see, what God does for us, when we become his child, he not only puts us in line to receive an inheritance in the light, but he takes us out of the darkness and we're put into a kingdom, which is called the church, into the kingdom of his dear son. That's what God has done for us. Someone was asked one day, does the devil ever trouble you about your past sins? And the answer was yes. The devil sometimes bothers me about my sins. 
And so then the question was, well, what do you do when the devil bothers you about your sins? We said the first thing I do is I send him to the west and then I send him to the east. You know, he had reference to statement made by the psalmist in Psalms 103 and verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our iniquities from us. God removes our iniquities. He translates us out of the kingdom of darkness and he puts us into another kingdom. In reality, God rescues us. He rescues us from that darkness. Well, where does he put us when he rescues us? He transfers us into the kingdom of his dear son. Jesus said in John the 18th chapter, my kingdom is not of this world. We're talking about a spiritual kingdom, not an earthly kingdom. There is not a single passage of Scripture in all of the Bible that indicates that Jesus will ever, in the future, reign on this earth as a king. Because he said, my kingdom is not of this world. And his kingdom is not of this world. We have a king not of this world. He has given us a law not of this world. We're subject to receive an inheritance, not of this world. So when we're taken out of the darkness, then we are translated into a kingdom of light. And that's the kingdom of God's dear son. Well, how does that occur? Well, in John the third chapter, there was a man by the name of Nicodemus that came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know your teacher come from God because no man can do the miracles that you do unless God is with him. And then Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now to see the kingdom meant to enjoy the benefits of it, the blessings of it, the privileges of it. And so you had to be born to be in that kingdom. And then Nicodemus in verse 4 asked the question, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? You see, Jesus and Nicodemus were not exactly on the same wavelength. Jesus was thinking about a spiritual birth. And Nicodemus had in mind a fleshly birth. And so Nicodemus asked, how can a man be born when he is old? Jesus had said, had, you must be born again. You, you have to experience the new birth if you're going to enter the kingdom. So Nicodemus said, how can that happen? How can you be born when you're old? You can't enter the second time into your mother's womb, be born again. So Jesus explains how you become a citizen of the kingdom of light. This is in verse number five. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven.
And so that we must be born again to enter that kingdom. Really, this is not optional because in John 3, verse 7, Jesus said, you must be born again. This is something that is absolutely necessary. And if we would be in the light, we must be born of water and of the Spirit. And then we're in the kingdom of light. And the kingdom exists now. Let me read to you from Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. So there is a kingdom now. And when we are born again, we enter into that kingdom. Well, someone says, well, Brother Lambert, what does it mean in John the third chapter in verse 5 to be born of water and of the Spirit to enter the kingdom? Well, first of all, in order that you might be in the family of God and in that kingdom, you must be born into the family. And you're born by experiencing the new birth. The new birth is not just calling on Jesus and saying, Lord, Lord, save me. There's more involved in the new birth than that. That is according to Jesus. Now, I know according to men today, it's, a, it's something different. But, but listen to what Jesus said. Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. I know what some people say about the word water in John 3, 5. Some say that that means uh, uh, the Spirit. Well, Jesus, you'd have Jesus saying, except a man is born of the Spirit and of the Spirit. That sounds rather ridiculous, doesn't it? And some people say that the word water there has reference to a, a fleshly birth and the word Spirit has reference to a spiritual birth. But that's the very thing Jesus is trying to correct. Nicodemus had in mind the fleshly birth. Jesus is talking about something that is spiritual in its nature. Someone says, well, what does the word water mean in John 3, 5? Well, it means the exact same thing that the word water means in Acts the 10th chapter, verses 47 and 48. Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Spirit as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized. That's what happened at the household of Cornelius. The word water just simply means water. And in the context, it has reference to one being baptized. Uh, a good commentary on John chapter 3 and verse 5 is Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 and 27. We're talking about how to be born into the family, how to get into the kingdom. Galatians 3, 26 reads like this, for you're all the children of God. That's family terminology, isn't it? You're all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. We must have our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, verse 27 tells one how we get into Christ, thus that would put us into the kingdom. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ did put on Christ. Now, in order that we might be born again, Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born of water and you must be born of the Spirit. You see, God has been so good to us. Not only does he take us out of the darkness, 
God makes it possible for us to be in the light. Now let's look at yet a third thing that God has done for us. And when we are born of water and the Spirit, according to verse 14, we learn that God has forgiven us. Listen to the passage again. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. When you as a believer in Jesus Christ repent of your sins, confess your faith in him and you're baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, thus being born of water and the Spirit, thus being a, a born again, then God forgives you of your sins. The word forgiveness means to, to let something go. It means to release. And the thing that brings that forgiveness is blood. Notice the passage again. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Redemption and forgiveness of sins has reference to the very same thing. And, 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 and that redemption and that forgiveness comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. And when we are baptized into Christ, by faith we come in contact with that blood that washes away our sins. For example, in Romans 6 and verse 3, the Bible says, For, for as many of you have been baptized into Christ, you're baptized into his death. We're baptized into the death of Christ, into the benefits of his death, where he shed that blood. And then, of course, as we arise to walk in the newness of life from our baptism. So forgiveness. God forgives us of our sins. We're guilty for breaking because of the, uh, we've broken God's law. And there's going to be a penalty for the breaking of God's law. But when God forgives us, the guilt and the penalty is removed. It is removed. When Jesus died, Jesus died to, to remove the stain and the guilt of our sin. In Matthew 26 and 28, he said, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which was shed for many for the remission of sin. And in order that that blood might give us that remission, According to the Apostle Peter, on Acts, the second chapter in verse 38, we must repent of our sins, we must be baptized for the remission of our sins. Yes, God has been so good to us. He's made it possible for us to have an inheritance. He's made it possible for us to be translated into the kingdom. And he's made it possible for us to be forgiven. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you, is my prayer. Getting to know your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, 
Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580 or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles.